0: Hey, it's Stu with Bitcoin and Financial Independence and this episode is going to be a follow-up to episode 83 where I talk about the law of plentitude which is really uh, interesting and a cool idea that Kevin Kelly has talked about extensively and if you're not familiar with him, uh, I talk about it more in episode 83. This episode will make a lot more sense if you listen to that one first but what's funny is that after I recorded that episode there just so happened to be a podcast episode come up in my queue. It's a podcast called Invest Like the Best with Patrick, oh man, I don't know how to say this last name, but it's O'Shaughnessy or something like that. So Patrick O'Shaughnessy, Invest Like the Best, had Kevin Kelly on his podcast in episode 334. I'll put that in the show notes. And they broached the topic of Bitcoin at one point. And I think that Kevin Kelly Really, in talking on this podcast interview, I think he looks past the mark and misses the point. So we're going to get into that. And the host of this podcast, Patrick, he asked Kevin this really broad question. He says, what in your life do you think you most mastered? Really broad question. And I'm going to pull out this little snippet from Kevin's response. He says, I've mastered a sense of trends. I would say a sensibility of the future, a future sensibility. He says it doesn't have a real name right now. It's not predictions. It's not forecasting. It's in that general vicinity, but it's much more like a spidey sense. And this is where he touches on Bitcoin. It comes up kind of organically. Kevin says this. I wrote about e-money in my first book in 1994. I had a whole chapter on digital money. I gave that chapter to Stephen Levy and the first issue of Wired, and he went on to write the crypto stuff. And I'm not familiar with any of this stuff at all. Uh, I'm really curious to look up Stephen Levy and see what he did, but to continue that quote from Kevin, he says, and so that was like, whoa, this is, I think this is really important. Here's these weird guys who are working on it. And I think that is one of the things that I have mastered over these 40 or 50 years is that sense of there's something crucial happening right here. Patrick follows up his, his question about what he's mastered, um, going into like the spidey sense. This is a really good question. He asked, he said, If you had to describe the energy signature of those things when you spot them or feel them, how would you encapsulate that in words? So Kevin says, one of the energy signatures is a depth to it. There's a sense in which you encounter it. There are these people who are plumbing it. They're kind of going there. They're mining it. And when you have these conversations or observing them or reading them, you realize, oh, this little mind could go pretty deep in many different directions. There's a depth and a breadth to them. Uh, there's a lot of things that this could intersect with. I would say that's one energy signature is like depth and breadth to the possibility space that it suggests. And secondly, I think there is some detection of how fast things are being uncovered, like a rate of discovery in that area. If you encounter some subculture or some little niche or some new technology or some research area, there is maybe one person working on it. And every year or so, maybe they discover something and it's like, okay, it's not enough. But if there's a bunch of people and every week they're coming with another something, they're saying there's a certain momentum or acceleration that's involved, there's a sense of, well, there's enough being discovered. that We could kind of imagine this scaling up into something bigger. And so you're looking at the recent past to see what's the rate of new things. And then another metric that I use is how much new language and words are needed for what's happening. A true area like this will be ahead of language and having to create new terms, new words, new things. And Patrick says, so you can't describe it well or easily. And Kevin says, right. That's another sign that this is worth paying attention to. Okay, so he talks about these, these things where it's hard to describe. There's these new discoveries. And then also that there's this depth and breadth to this new topic. So those are kind of the three things. Um, and then skipping forward, they leave the topic of Bitcoin. But Patrick, the host, just asks him how he thinks about money and like your definition of success. Uh, Patrick says, you already said money is like the number one definition of success maybe that we've all accepted because it's a common unit. Say everything you can about money, the concept, the thing, how you relate to it. So this is how Kevin thinks about and relates to money. And we kind of dip back into Bitcoin after a few minutes off that topic in the podcast. So Kevin says, generally, I'm very bored by money. I find it very, very boring. One of my things about crypto, my son and my son-in-law We're kind of into crypto for a while, and I would say, look, okay, I'm willing to have a conversation about crypto, but here's one caveat. You can't mention the word money. You can't talk about making money, saving money, whatever it is. Let's talk about crypto without talking about money. Those are very short conversations, okay? And that's the problem with crypto, is that it was only about money, which is only a single dimension, and so I find it just boring in that way that wasn't true with the internet. We could talk about all kinds of things with the internet. We didn't have to talk about money. And AI is kind of the same thing. So generally, it's a tool. Money is a tool. It's like gasoline for your car. And the purpose of the gasoline for the car is to drive around. But you're not driving around to the gas station to see how much gas you can get. It's a means to do things. And for me, that's what it is. And I have had the privilege of hanging around billionaires, multi-billionaires, and what I've observed that is that in most cases, having money at that level is completely imprisoning and a burden, basically it's a burden. Patrick says, because it ends up owning them or for some other reason. Kevin says, yes, basically. I would say right now, one of my pieces of advice to your listeners is that they should try as hard as they possibly can to never have $1 billion. I have a couple hundred million, just don't have $1 billion. So that's, that's what Kevin says. And Patrick asks, what's the difference between those two? Well, a lot of zeros, and the more zeros you have, the more weight it is. First of all, it's distorting for your kids and your family. It's an incredible burden for children. And secondly, the weight of it just becomes something you always have to attend to. If you're a responsible person, you're going to take it seriously, and it just becomes something that you can never escape because you can't spend it. It's almost impossible to give away by yourself. So you're suddenly running an organization, and it's a whole another job, and, and they may not be the most authentic thing for you. I mean, a lot of the billionaires I know, if you get them to be honest, it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of good luck or bad luck. I like to ask my young people, my friends, do the exercise of, okay, I have my magic wand. I'm going to give you a billion, which is what your wish is, right? And so what are you going to do with that $1 billion? Tell me. Just make the list. And so now I'm going to paraphrase here, but you know, they make a list and they still haven't spent any of that money. Like It just comes back to you uh, pretty much with interest if you have it in the stock market is kind of what he gets at or with a business or whatever. And here's the important point. He says, it turns out that your their dream, whatever it is, can be accomplished for so little compared to 1 billion. All right. So it was a really good interview. I really enjoyed that podcast interview. So hopefully that wasn't too much of me reading, but let's kind of break it down a little bit. Obviously, Kevin admits he's a multimillionaire. I think that's not hard to to see. I think even he said multi-hundred millionaire, but he's not a billionaire, but he is extremely wealthy. So I love the perspective as well that You can live your dreams with not a ton of money in comparison to what you might wish for. So that's point number one. But I also tend to think that he definitely misses the point of Bitcoin. Um, I think you can talk a lot about Bitcoin without talking about making money. And money is what I'm into. I like money. I like security. I like investing. I like trying to be smart and understand the market and all these things. Um, That's all super interesting to me. I came to Bitcoin to get rich. I came to Bitcoin because of FOMO, because I didn't want to miss out on a huge potential way to make a lot of money. But that's not why I'm still here, at least not all the way. I would say it's a much smaller portion than you might think. I am here because I think Bitcoin frees people. I'm here for the freedom. I think it frees people from central banks. I think that what central banks have taken away from people, Bitcoin will give back to the people. It will take away the censorship. It will take away the irrational spending. It'll take away a lot of wars. You can't fund wars on a Bitcoin standard the way that you can when you can just print money and send money to Ukraine and send money here and there and everywhere all over the world. So I really think that Kevin Kelly here is, uh, maybe he did not notice the Bitcoin rabbit hole quite enough. And there's so much noise in the crypto space, we'll say. Uh, but if you focus on Bitcoin and you go deep, you really can go quite deep. Um, Jameson Lop has a quote that no one has found the bottom of the Bitcoin rabbit hole. And it just keeps going and you keep learning. Um, I know that's been true for me. When I think about how many episodes of this podcast that I've done, that I still have ideas and I still have things I want to talk about. I have learned a ton because of my interest in Bitcoin and from other Bitcoiners' interests in learning about health, fitness, food, nutrition, uh, even sunlight and war and power projection and physics and thermodynamics, economics, all of it. I have learned a ton. Uh, even even history of the world, like why certain nations rise and fall and what money printing has to do with it and government overreach. There's so many ways you can take it. Um, I would say to Kevin Kelly, maybe one of the most exciting things, especially as a wealthy, generous person, would be to read Alex Gladstein's book, Hidden Repression, How the IMF, that's International Monetary Fund, and the World Bank sell exploitation as development. This is a book that uh, it was number one on my list, and I have it now. I have a physical copy. I just need to find time to read it. I'm in the middle of like five other books right now. So it's taken me some time to work through all these things. But I would think that that's really a strong angle for Kevin Kelly to look at things and the life changing, world changing implications that Bitcoin can have at a nation state level and at an individual rights level. But Kevin Kelly, uh, you know, there's this interesting dichotomy with him probably where he is very wealthy. He is extremely privileged because of that wealth to some degree. You know, he's you could consider him maybe an elite. But at the same time, he's very down to earth and very, I think, you know, he, he strives to be humble. I see, I sense this humbleness about him where he is here to learn and to teach and just to share ideas. And I really like that about Kevin but I I think that he is missing the point about Bitcoin, that it's about freedom and about removing the corruptible power of the elite and equalizing the playing field to the little guys. I think his point about trying not to be a billionaire and that you can live your dreams on so much less than some absurd amount of money that you might have wished for, I think that's an extremely important point as well, that it's important to live life. You know, there's this big thing with Bitcoiners it's that to never sell, to hold, to H O D L Hold on for dear life, and that you're never gonna sell. And I have that tendency myself. I have that mindset as well. But at some point it is probably okay to, to sell. It is probably okay to spend your Bitcoin to live the life that you want and to enjoy the life that you want. So I think there's a bounce to be struck there in the Bitcoin community. Although I think At some point, hopefully there will be financing and ways you can borrow against the asset and not have to incur taxes and all this stuff. So I think that that's a smart way to do things, but try to remember that. It's not about being filthy rich all the time necessarily. Make sure you are taking time to live your life. I mean, be smart. Be responsible. Do your best. like Secure your future. Secure your family's future and be prepared. I think that's super important stuff, but make sure you live your life too. And that one day it's going to be okay to spend some Bitcoin and you're going to be just fine. So that's kind of my takeaway. I'll go post this episode on Twitter and I'll at Kevin Kelly and try to see if I can point him down the rabbit hole a little bit further because I think he's looked past the mark on this one. So with that, I'm going to keep it relatively short. Remember that financial independence is doable and I'll be back with you soon.